Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I want to invite you to go to Daniel, the book of Daniel. If you're a guest, I am thrilled to death that you're here. And uh, I, I can't say that enough. I love what we're doing in this series called Unshakable, looking at the book of Daniel. So go to Daniel 1. We're going to wrap up chapter 1. And as you're going there, I'd invite you to take your notes out, uh, get a pen in hand. One of the things I've been encouraging people to do, I know that some of you might have grown up in a tradition where you didn't mark your Bibles, and uh, I can respect that. Um, For me, I was raised in a tradition that one of the greatest workbooks God ever gave us was His Holy Word of God. And so I write all over my Bible. I just got to let you know that I'm drawing lines all over it and highlighting and, and circling words. And, but if that's foreign to you, I'm okay with that. I respect that. But for some of you, um, this is a moment for you to get ready to jump into the workbook. But then if you don't like to write in your Bibles, at least have a, a, a notebook at hand. Um, maybe you've got your cell phone. Maybe you read from the Bible app as I'm doing this. And there's all kinds of places you can take notes of that for well. But as you're going there, I, I just want to set this up as what we're going to talk about. I, I read a little story about little, little Kyle. He's in the third grade, and he walked up to his teacher's desk holding his report card that had a big F on it. And he looked at his teacher and said, well, if I was you, he demanded, I'd change this while you still can. <laughs> to which the teacher sort of found this humorous, and she smiled and said, why is that? And Kyle said, because my dad told me if I brought home one more failing report card, someone was going to get beaten. (laughs) I love that story, but you want to know something? I think it represents a lot about the church today. I think it's a mindset that we have that we've got to change. That somehow, that when it comes to my life, it's always somebody else's problem. When I'm going through difficulty and adversity and the circumstances aren't fair to which I think they should be, it's always somebody else's problem. See, whether you blame someone else, I know a lot of Christians who always want to blame God. Somehow if we can learn to just pass the buck, somehow we can make the blame somewhere else, I think it's the mindset. It couldn't be little Kyle's problem. It has to be somebody else's. But it's to this we're going to talk. I want you to look at a scripture. It's on the screen from Proverbs 19. Here's what it says. Do yourself a favor. Does anybody know what a favor is? Give yourself a gift. Anybody like gifts? Yeah. Really, a few of you. Okay. I love gifts. And especially when it comes from certain individuals. But I want to give you a gift. God wants to give you a gift. And here it is. Do yourself a favor. Here's the gift. Learn all you can. That's in the word of God. Learn all you can. Then remember what you've learned. And then you will what? Prosper. Anybody want to prosper? Anybody want success? If you didn't raise your hand, I'm just suspecting you just didn't want to, but inside you really want to be successful. Everybody wants to be. I know nobody 
that has been birthed saying, I hope I'm a loser. I hope I fail at everything. You may feel like that, but the only reason you feel that way is because deeply you want to be successful. And God just gave you the remedy. Learn all you can. And then remember what you've learned so then you can be successful, you can prosper. Henry Ford said it this way, anyone who stops learning is old, whether they're 20 or 80. They're just old. My dad would say it this way, the moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying, whether it be physically or spiritually. But there's something about Kyle in all of us, isn't there? It's so easy to pass the responsibility onto someone else, and I think the church has been guilty. I think it's been guilty because the world is filled with opportunities to learn. Every day, class is in session. And do you know what the Bible says in Proverbs 4? It says, Your education is your life. Guard it well. Your education is your life. Guard it well. And that's what we're going to talk about. You see, Daniel, if you, just to kind of bring you up on speed, the last two weeks, he's gone through a couple of tests. Some unbelievable tests that he passes with flying colors. The first one we talked about was the test of a major change. I'm just going to put it in those words, but we all know that if you were here, if you weren't, you need to know a 15-year-old boy loses everything. I would say that's a major change. Everything he has known has been completely taken away. He's been taken out of his homeland. He will never see his parents again. His entire world is turned upside down. He's 15 years of age. And the Bible says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He passed with flying colors. Well, then last week we talked about Daniel's pressure to conform. Where the world's always trying to get us, if you will, pulling us in a direction we shouldn't go. And we looked at four key character qualities that matter to God. That if you want to pass this test, then you need to understand that identity is a big deal. If you don't know who you are, even if you, listen to this, if you don't know who you are, if you don't understand that you're God's, really God's, whether you get that or not, your life is being affected by it every day. Your life is being ruled by your identity every day. It just is. It's why young people go along with the crowd, because they're friends of their identity. I see it week in and week out with older fellas. Their identity is football. And whether their team wins or loses will determine if in their home it's going to be a good day or not. It's an identity issue. I, I think about that. Your life is affected by a team you don't even know. <laughs> a coach has no clue that you exist. The players have never talked with you. And your entire world is messed up. See, that's just an identity issue. So we looked at identity. Then we looked at, if you will, discipline. If one of the things I think we lack in this world is discipline. And then we looked at courage. So many people afraid to stand up for God. And then we talked about humility. What does it really mean to be humbled? And I share with you, the Bible says, if we humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up. And Daniel passed both of these tests. But what we're going to do in wrapping up chapter one is Daniel now is going to face even a bigger test. 
And here's the test. Can you live in a pagan world and not lose your faith? Can you live in a pagan world and not lose your faith? The answer is yes. But it won't be easy. It won't be easy. Because folks, the Babylonian schools were really wicked schools. You need to understand that. The Babylonian way, this enemy that took God's people into captivity, Daniel's going to endure all kinds of myths. He's going to endure all kinds of superstitions. He's going to endure all kinds of cultic practices, false sciences, and bad logic. But the Bible says in verse 18, I want you to see it, and then we're going to look at a couple verses here. But it says, when the three-year training was completed, he's now 18 years of age, the chief official brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. Four of them, if you might remember. He brought all of them in, but four of them stood out. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king talked with each one of them. But none impressed him as much as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were appointed by a pagan king. They were appointed to his regular staff as advisors. Talk about graduating with honors. That's an amazing, unbelievable thing. That Daniel's an 18-year-old kid. He's a Hebrew kid. Everything he's known has been taken away. His entire world has collapsed. And yet he's appointed by a pagan king to be one of his advisors. It's an amazing story. Let me just say this real quickly. Church, we need to hear this message because we're living in Babylon. Amen. We are living in Babylon. And mom and dads, you need to listen to us very carefully because I have no problem going here. I hear mom and dads coming to me over and over later as their kids are in life. And they, Pastor, you need to pray. You need to pray for my children. They're so lost. They've walked away from the church. Folks, right now in America, 70% of our young people who were churched when they graduate from high school and go off to a secular university grow disillusioned to the church, disengage in the church, and almost all of them never come back. If that bothers you, you might want to do your research. What is if your kid gains the whole world and loses their soul? 70%. We're losing them. We're in Babylon. And you need to hear this very carefully. What's taught in the classroom today will come out in the culture tomorrow. But it's not just the classroom that I'm talking about, it's also the environment. When young people go off and the pressures of the world and to fit in with their peers and all of the things that are passed on to them, all of those things begin to shake their world. And they start looking at the church saying, I don't get it. And they start questioning it. And if you think that's healthy, well, this pastor doesn't. Raise a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. I got to believe that mom and dads, 
you would rather have your kids in heaven than being the next tycoon on Wall Street ending up in hell. I got to believe, mom and dads, you'd want your kids serving Jesus than living out some successful life within the world's demands, but they don't even want to follow Jesus. We need to hear, I'm just going to pause here for a moment. What does it mean to be a follower of God? What does it mean to be a, a disciple of God? What is the point of God's word? Some human being's going to tell you that this is a pile of crap? You're going to listen to some scientist who uses less than 10% of his brain? Is going to explain to you and wash this thing down the toilet? And if he does, then what are we really following? What is it all about? What's the point? And who determines what truth is? It blows my mind that people say, well, you're trying to brainwash me. Well, you're trying to brainwash me. Because let me tell you what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy, man, is if your wife comes home and says, hey, had sex with my boss today. It was awesome. He showed me some cool things, and I'd like to show you tonight. I would Raise your hand, husbands, if you're okay with that. But now watch this. But the moment that you say to her, that's wrong, you're inflicting your beliefs on her. Remember, there's no God. There's no truth. Who are you to tell her that's wrong? She said she loves you. She ain't going anywhere. And that's the world we're living in. Everybody decides what's good for them and what they believe, and then they try to wash that upon other people. I'm telling you this, whether you think I'm wrong or not, I'm telling you, there's a way that seems right to a man. The end is always death. But there's a way that's right for God, and he will give you life everlasting. So... I'm not, I'm not going to play the game of the world who wants to take and throw pages out of the Bible and try to fit it in their own lifestyle. And how dare you say you're my friend and you want me to compromise on this to try to make you feel good about who you are. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't screw things up. God loves us more than we could ever imagine. And this is a love letter. He didn't give this to us to hurt us. He gave this to give us a future and a hope. And I'm smiling when I say that. Because he's an awesome God. And I want to get back to him being the awesome God for our lives. Amen to that church? Amen. So there's things that are being taught. And we need to know the truth. And I think this message can be really, really helpful when you understand Daniel. When you understand Daniel. So if you got your Bibles, I want to look at a couple selected verses in chapter 1. And I want to read again from verse 5. Here's what it says. The king assigned them, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan lost king... He assigned them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a host of others. He assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. We talked about that. We talked about that last week and why, but I want you to notice the second part of this verse. They were to be trained for three years, educated in these pagan schools. It's an amazing thing. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. They were to be, if you will, all that they knew was to be taken out and a brand new world to be deposited within. But now jump over to verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. So here they are. Class is out. It's graduation day. 
The king talked with them. He found none equal to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all of the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is an amazing passage of scripture. If you got your notes, take them out. I want to put some skin on it. And I want to give you four things that we must learn, we must do. And these are very important that you get them. It's so important. People ask me all the time, Pastor, when you're in a given situation, how do you know what God wants? And I'm going to share those with you coming from Daniel. And here's the first thing I want you to write in. The first thing we need to do is decide in advance what really matters. You decide in advance what really matters. By the way, you're doing this all the time. Because I'm going to help you with something. Sin is never an accident. It's an advanced decision. Sin is never an accident. It's an advanced decision. I can show you in Scripture. When you play with fire, you'll get it burned. The question is why you were even near the fire. Because you made a decision. You knew best. And yet over and over, people tell you all the time, don't play with fire, but we keep playing with it. And we wonder why we get burned. It's a crazy thing, but sin is not an accident. It's an advanced decision. See, Daniel, the Bible says, made up his mind not to defile himself. That wasn't a moment thing. I shared that last week. That was a preconditioned thing. Daniel knew who he was. He knew who his God was, and that was enough. I won't serve anything of the world. I will stand on the word of God. You know, years ago, I read a story about three men who applied for a job driving a Wells Fargo stagecoach years ago over a mountain pass. It held a narrow road on the edge of a cliff. So the one doing the hiring had each man drive the stage once over the pass and then ask them all the same question. How close did you get to the edge of the cliff? The first man answered, well, I drove within one foot, sir. The second man said, well, I drove within six inches, feeling a little better than the first. The third man looked at both of the others and then finally said, I have no idea because I drove as far from the edge as I could. Anybody know who got the job? You set the agenda first before you ever go into the meeting. You set the agenda. See, James 4 says, submit to God. That's what the Bible says. You submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you look in the actual translation, do you know what it says? When you submit to God, you don't have to resist the devil because you already did that by being obedient to God. And the devil will always flee from you. The moment that you play with the devil, you've already put him in the equation. And he will get you every time. We submit to God first. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 1.7. Start with God. This is the first step in learning. Jesus said this. Seek first the kingdom. Anybody know what number two is? There isn't one. 
You don't have to go to number two when you get the first one right. You seek first God. Let me just tell you this. God is the foundation of all truth, people. He's the foundation. He's the source of all knowledge. He's the source of all wisdom. You decide up front that he is your God. Because if you don't, every moment you're in, every circumstance you face, and the people that you walk with, they'll win every time. See, I hang around a lot of people that are spiritually unresolved. If you don't know what that means, is they don't know Jesus. I hang around a lot of them. But every time when I'm with them, I'm the influence. I go into it all the time. We're going to talk about Jesus somewhere in this equation. I set the standard. And they give me that because they know that I love them. But I'm not going to compromise anything for them or with them. Because they can't give me what I need. Only God can. Do you see what I'm saying? So you decide in advance. Here's number two. Never stop learning. Say it with me. Never stop learning. I I love this story. and, And I appreciate it. And I think, you'll, I think you will too. The famed and very former president of Harvard University. Now this is Harvard. Dr. Charles Elliott. He was being honored by a group of well-known educators. Permit me to graduate or congratulate you, sir, said one of the educators, for the miracle that you've performed at Harvard University. Since you became president, Harvard has become a storehouse of knowledge. That is true laughed Dr. Elliot, but I scarcely deserve the credit. I think it's because the freshmen, they bring in so much, and the seniors, well, they take so little away. (laughs) I'll tell you why I love that story, because it's Harvard, but I also think that's a president that gets it. See, graduating from a school and having a name doesn't mean much. It's what you really learn and take with you when you leave. Coming to church doesn't really make you a Christian or make you any better unless when you walk out the doors, it changes you and you take it wherever you go. Learn everything you can. Proverbs 18, 15 says, wise men and women are always learning. Wise men and women are always learning. Wise men and women are always learning. Always listening for fresh insights. Does anybody know what the word disciple means in its original language of Greek? It means student. Did you know that? The word disciple means student, which implies you're always learning. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.8, those who love learning will always succeed. Those who always love learning They love it. I don't know, if you you ever heard of the word steep? To to steep yourself into something? Some of you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but some of you have no idea. I think you'll appreciate this. To steep something. See, two weeks ago, I shared with you that God will test us. And and, and like a teabag being put in hot water. Do you remember this, if you were here? That God will test us like a tea bag. You put it in hot water and you because you really don't know what's in it until you put it in hot water. Because in the hot water, it now what? It begins to bring out its flavor. 
Well, to steep yourself into something is when you take that hot water and you don't just put the tea bag in it, but now you do this. You bounce it up and down. You, you, you want to get its flavor. You might even do this. See, steeping yourself in, it takes time. It's letting the water, if you will, the tea bag to soak it up in that hot water, pull out the flavors to move it through the water. And that just takes time. You don't put the tea bag in, throw it away and hurry up, take a drink. All you're going to drink is hot water. If you want tea, you've got to let the flavor, you've got to let it saturate. This is what God wants us to do when it comes to his word. You don't speed read the Bible. A devotional time isn't that you hurry through it and get it done so God is somehow impressed. You steep yourself in it. You let yourself soak in its pages. That's why over and over the Bible says to ponder, to meditate. In fact, Joshua 1.8, look what it says. Study God's word continually. Meditate on it, steeping yourself in it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that's written in it. If you do, look what it says again. You will be prosperous and successful. Isn't that amazing? The greatest leader is not John Maxwell, it's Jesus Christ. And John's a friend of mine, and he'd be okay. He'd shout amen to that. Because John Maxwell is a man of the word. You just soak yourself in it over and over. Folks, listen to this. The Bible does you no good if you own it. It only becomes good when it owns you. You might want to write that down. Does God's word own you? Or you just own the Bible? Did you know that the average American has 4.4 Bibles in the house? That's average in America. And yet 57% of those who claim to be Christian only read the Bible four times a year or less. That's a sad thing, folks. Proverbs 1, verses 28 and 29 says, When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Let me say it again. This is God's people. They will cry out to me, and I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. This is God. Because they hated knowledge and they chose not to fear me. That's in the Bible, people. That's in the Bible. I don't know if you know, but when the U.S. Treasury Department trains their agents to spot a counterfeit, does anybody know how they do that? They never give them a counterfeit bill. Any U.S. Treasury agent has never seen a counterfeit bill until they first encounter a counterfeit bill. Because what they've learned was, give them the real thing and make sure they know it backward and forward. Because when you know the real thing, you can spot the counterfeit thing. And I think the same is true in the church. When you steep yourself in the word, 
then you know a lie when you see it. So when people come up to me and they say things to me, well, the Bible says, no kidding, I'll sit there and go, it doesn't say that. It's not even in there. What are you talking about? There's so many lies in the world, but this is the truth that sets us free. Amen, church? We need to be in the truth. We need to be students of it. This is why we go to life groups. Life groups aren't to be gossip groups. That's not a life group. That's a death group. You don't go there just to hang out and talk about things and your family and that. Somewhere in the equation, you've got to open up the word and study it together and seep yourself, steep yourself in it and watch what God can do with it. It'll change you. It'll change. God's word will never return void, people. You can trust it with everything you got. Here's what David wrote in Psalm 119. Your commandments, he's talking to God, your commandments give me great understanding. Look what he says. It's no wonder I can see and hate every false way of life because they give you light. They give you a lens in which to see the world. And people need, to, people need you to see the world. So I want to give you a little quick acrostic. Here it is. It's called key, K-E-Y. Keep educating yourself. That's the key. You want the key to life? Keep educating yourself in God's word. Amen? Amen. Church, listen. This is why we're partnering with Southeastern University. What Reed was talking about? Age regardless. It doesn't matter. In fact, this is why we're partnering with Wesley Seminary. Because you can get an associate, you can get a four-year degree. And even if you, you know what, you can keep working where you're at. We're going to have evening classes and you can learn God's word in unbelievable ways. Right here at Celebrate. And, and, and dream with me. Because I, I never stop dreaming. I keep believing God wants to do big things. Imagine if we own the apartments across the way. And one of those high rises is where mom and dad's had kids come and that was dorm rooms as they're learning God's word, but every day they're doing practical experience right here in God's holy church and throughout the city. See, that's the dream. That's the dream. We keep thinking of all ways we can to keep raising people up in Jesus Christ and sending them out in the world because our world needs people who walk and think and talk like Jesus. Amen? We need that in our world. Here's number three. Choose godly friends. Choose godly friends. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 26, a righteous man is cautious in his friendships. A righteous man, a person who really wants to be godly, is cautious in his friendships. I say it all the time. If you want to fly with the eagles, you got to quit running with the turkeys. I'm going to continue to keep saying that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Folks, here, here's the deal. You will always become like the company you keep. Now, I told you, I hang out with a lot of lost people. But when I'm there, I'm the influence. But all of my godly counsel and all my godly friends are godly people. We run in the same direction. And they continue to pour in to my life. This is one of the reasons Daniel was so successful because Daniel had a life group. Daniel had an amazing life group, a godly life group. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And boy, did iron sharpen iron. 
Psalm 1 says the happiest people, the ones God blesses, this is in the Bible, folks, the happiest people and the ones God blesses, don't walk with those who suggest evil advice or stand with those who like to sin. They just don't do it. They just don't do it because the world has nothing to offer to me. But I have everything to offer the world. I have everything. And the great commission to go and make disciples was not meant just for me and those who are on our paid staff. If you're a child of the king, it was meant for you as well. And it's time for the church to rise up. And if we're going to say, I am a disciple of Jesus, then it's time for you to get disciples yourself. And it's time for you to start mentoring and investing and raising up others. See, if you're going to say, I'm a Christian, how can you keep that to yourself? And then try to tell other people, but I love God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will love others. And no greater love than this, that you would die for them as I've died for you. It's raising up. It's discipling. But it starts with who you hang around. Who's your real life group? Who are the company that you keep? And do they know that you love Jesus more than anything? And that God's word's your authority? Here's number four, and I'm going to invite the team to the stage. Stay connected to the weekends, your life group, and serving. Let me say it again. Stay connected to the weekends, to your life group, and to serving. Let me say it another way. All three of these are absolutely essential in the Christian growth process. Every one of them are biblical. Every great author writes about them because we all need input, we all need output, and we all need, if you will, support. Amen. See, we all need input. Weekends, we come. It's not just that you're getting God's word, but you're also getting others in the room. We all need input, but we all need output. We all need to be serving or we're going to be like the Dead Sea. You can't keep just taking without giving. And by the way, if you're not giving, you're going to get critical. The people in the church that criticize the most are the ones that don't serve. I'm just being honest because they have nothing else to do. So they're constantly thinking about what's in it for me. But my Bible says when you come to know Jesus, is isn't about you anymore. You're always thinking of others more important than yourself. But we all need support. That's what a life group is. I need support. I love my life group. It's one of my favorite things when I watch young people. When you watch young people like Pastor Timothy and Pastor Austin, what are you guys, like 11 and 12 years old? I mean, I'm just like, it's crazy. So you can guess that because you ever notice kids are just entering junior high and they have full-grown beards. It's the weirdest thing. And then you found out those are the girls. But anyway, and so it's, it's strange. Oh, whatever. Anyway, but, but I love what they say. You got young people, and you know what they say all the time and almost get into tears. I love my life group. I love my life group. It's the coolest thing. That's why I tell you, don't run to the doors because God will have the answer. I have a friend that I meet with every other week, and his name's Dana. And Dana was telling me that he, he felt compelled listening to what I said after the service last weekend. And I made the statement is don't run to the doors. Maybe someone sitting around you is, is an answer for your prayers or maybe you're their answer for their, your, their prayers. And he turned next to him and he introduced himself to a young, a, a young man who didn't, you know, he didn't know. 
And the young man says, you in a life group? And they go, sure, you want to come join ours? And they did, he and his wife this week. And he said, it's just, I'm so glad I sat by you, he said. And his life group said, I'm so glad. So this is why we say those things, because God is doing something we can't even begin to fathom. He really cares about your life. He's not against you. He's not out to hurt you. He wants to show you his incredible goodness. But we've got to trust those things. We've got to step in those things that really matter. Don't make church something that you attend. Make it, make it something you're invested in. You know what the Bible says? Let us not give up meeting together. This is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up. It wasn't a suggestion. It's a command. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. See, I call it a week, a week, a, a week time timeout or a weekend timeout. You remember that when a teacher said, you, you just need a timeout or your parents did? See, I think that's what God does. He says, you know, the merry-go-round really gets ugly, doesn't it? And God gave us, one of the reasons he gave us weekend church was to get off the merry-go-round for a moment. Come into the church, catch your breath, get encouraged by other people. Be an encouragement to them. Let me, let me just get a quick raise of hands. How many here as parents would say that family time is important? Okay, this is going to hurt, but I got to say it. Why should God bless your family when you don't think his family time is important? Especially when his family is forever. And yet we always come up with other things that are more important than the people sitting around you. The fourth command, it is a Sabbath day, make it holy. It's God's day. I will tell you this, at every POC call that we get, and, and POC stands for Pastor on Call. If you're a guest, you need to know 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can talk to a live person in this church. You call the church office after hours, and they will directly take you to a voice and, and a person that rings their phone, and you'll talk two, three in the morning. So I'm not one of them, so don't wake me up. But anyway, <laughs> but Pastor Reed is every night. And so... Um, But we, we will tell you, every POC call that we get when we pull back the layers is one of these three areas is the problem. They'll be struggling. We'll say, when's the last time you've been at church? You in a life group? Are you serving anywhere? It's either one or all three or two of them they'll say no. We're like, that, that's where it would start. That would really help you. You want your marriage to change? Get in a life group. Make the weekend important. Start serving somewhere. 
It's absolutely. So you have to decide in advance what's important to you right now. What really matters to you? Is it you? Is it the world? What is it? Is it God? You decide in advance what matters. I'm like Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I've decided in advance. My kids have heard this. Your dad will never lie for you. I love you with all my heart, but I will never lie for you. I won't cover for you when it's sin. I'll be there for you and I'll pray with you and walk with you, but I'm not going to try to get you out of it. I just love you too much. I'm not helping you. What you need is Jesus. It's all I care about. I just want you to love Jesus. My, my girls hear it all the time. I want them to know Jesus because it's the only thing that matters. You decide in advance, but then you say, but I'll never stop learning. I want to be a student of the word. God, I want to know your truth. I'm 54. Many of you know that I went through a four-year degree. I went and got a master's degree. It was 106 hours of schooling I went to. Went out and got a doctor degree. I got another one in an honorary form, but there's things you got to do. I don't say that to pat in the back. I didn't get them to get degrees. I just like being in classrooms where I learn. I never want to stop learning. I try to read a book a week. It's just something that is very important. I want to learn. There's always something. My dad always says, I've always seen my dad, and you'll never see it because you can't go in his bedroom at night, <laughs> but, but I don't know how many times, even when I go visit, I walk into his bedroom to say goodnight, and he has a book in his hands every night. He's always reading. He's always reading. 80 years old, and he's always reading. There's something more. There's something more. There's something more. You need to be a learner. Are you learning? Who are your friends? Is the weekend important to you? It's God's day. Are you serving somewhere? Are you in a life group? See, those are the disciplines that we were talking about. Those are the disciplines we need. Boy, we get that church, and we'll change the city. I believe with all my heart. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to open up the altar, and I want to I do something tonight that might seem a little radical for you, but as I'm praying, people are going to come and be up here to pray for you. But tonight, as I was walking and saying hi, someone I dearly love, I've been with for a long time, even served on our staff here. She told me that she was diagnosed with lung cancer. She cried, and I just held her and smiled, and I said, I said, Wendy, I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to pray over you. I just believe that he's a big God. I just believe that God can do amazing things. Some of you in this room, you need to get in touch with the Spirit. God wants to do something in your life. Maybe tonight you need a physical healing. Maybe there's something you're battling. Maybe it's emotional, whatever it is. Maybe it's spiritual, whatever it is. I'm going to ask you to come, and this team's going to pray over you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God is going to show you and acquaint you with what he can do that you and I cannot. He is a good God. He is a great God. I want to be a church that is known for the supernatural work of what God can do. I want to be a church that wants God set people free. That's why we're doing this week in and week out. We want to open up the altar. Team's going to play. We're going to sing. I'm going to invite you to come. But let me pray. Father, I thank you so much that we are in the house of the Lord. This is your house. And God, you are a God, a God almighty, a God all powerful. 
You're so good. You love us beyond anything we can fathom. And God, I pray that we would look at this message, this series, to be unshakable. What does it mean in a very shaked up, messed up world? God, there's some here that need to say, God, I, I haven't been choosing you in advance. But coming forward for prayer is saying that. God, there's some here that need to say, God, I, I need to open my mind. I need to get back to just learning, to be a student of your word. Some need to come and say, God, it's time for me to... I need friends. And that start would probably be a life group. What a, what a place to meet incredible people. Some of the greatest people I know are in this church. God, as the team sings, I pray that we would be a church that moves in the direction of your wooing in our lives. Feeling that tug in our spirit, in the forefront of our mind, knowing what we need to do. God, will we be that church? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.